Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Uh, you know, I, before the show, we, we like to chat with our guests, catch up with people. And I asked how people, you know, what, what they thought I sounded like. I think I sound better. I'm going to leave this to our listeners. Feel free to comment. But, uh, you know, uh, move the mic a little bit closer. I think I've got some of the velvety tones of NPR going. Uh, oh I believe God. I believe our host compared me to Barry White. And I think that was a favorable oh comparison. I, I, would, I would describe this as sweet, dulcet tones. Ooh, even better. Okay, 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 okay. That, that's not over tip his ego now. There you okay. go. First oh, of all, really? you know that that is impossible. You know that. <laughs> that cow uh, okay. has been tipped. <laughs> well, I like to think of it as a bottomless vessel, really. I can always oh, take more. Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, great. If you're just now joining us. <laughs> Uh, our guest today is Travis, 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 our dear friend, Travis. It's been so long since Travis has come on lately. It has been a while. Um, the, the past few times you've been on, you've been essentially our kind of doomsday correspondent mm-hmm. for, uh, the democratic primary. Uh, and then something happened in the news cycle, which completely disrupted <laughs> everything in the world. Uh, so there haven't been as many political conversations or explicitly political conversations on the show. Uh, but now that we've had a chance to catch our breath, uh, and the presumptive democratic nominee, whom I shall not name yet, I'll, I'll let somebody else on the show name that person. Um, it feels a little bit like campaign season. I know that this is a weird thing to say in the midst of a pandemic, but I was really, really dreading this uh, campaign year. Uh, most years are pretty bad. I mean, I, uh, I, you know, I think about the ones in modern memory. Uh, I worked as a political reporter for in 2000, 2004, 2008. It took everything out of me. Um, because they're nasty and mm-hmm. the news cycle is savage and vicious. And in a lot of cases, it doesn't even really matter who the nominees are. It's just the tenor that our country takes on and not being able to escape this constant onslaught of mudslinging and polarization. Um, and although we're in a very different period of darkness, uh, I, I'd like to say, because I'm a positive person, one positive aspect for me personally right now uh, about what's happening in the world and about uh, this pandemic is that we are not so fully immersed in a disgusting, inescapable, mudslinging uh, presidential campaign, which we would be. You know, this is an election year. It's 2020. Right. Um, That said, it's a little unnerving because when there's an incumbent who might not be uh, the person you think should have the job and nobody else is making any noise, that can cause its own anxiety. Um, And with no further throat clearing, as you have already heard, our guest today is Travis. Travis, welcome back to the show. Thank you for coming to have a discussion about whatever we would call this, a presidential election, a presidential campaign, no matter what we've decided to call it. Thank you for taking the time to come here and try and unpack it. Yeah, I mean, there's no place I'd rather be during these dark, uncertain times. You mean you wouldn't rather be watching Glitter right now? Oh, God, no. Um, Okay, well, I take that as high praise. We're um, we've been chosen over Mariah Carey's film from 2001. I didn't even remember. (laughs) By the way, listeners, you should know there are going to be a lot of references to Mariah Carey's film Glitter and the show today. That might seem a little confusing to you, but. We just had a conversation about glitter beforehand. So if it comes up, all apologies, but we'll try to give as much context as we can. And I'm sure there are plenty of parallels to be drawn between the nightmare that that film was and the nightmare that we are currently the inhabiting. seal of the apocalypse that is the film and soundtrack glitter from 2001. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. You got Rivers of Blood, uh, you got Locusts, uh, you got Horsemen, and then and Glitter, I think. Yeah, I think glitter, that's right. Yeah, glitter's, <laughs> glitter's one of those. I, you know, it's been a while since I read Revelations, but I'm pretty sure Mariah Carey was in there. Yeah. Um, so the obvious place to start, I, I mean, there's so much context to give. There's so many questions to ask. Is there even a president, presidential election going on? Um, how did we get to the point that the person who is the nominee is the nominee? Um, and what does it look like when you're trying to have a national election and a national campaign and somebody's in the basement and the person who's the president is golfing and everybody else is fearing for their lives. Right. Uh, I, I, for the 
For the sake of this show, I would like to pretend that we are in the midst of a more normal campaign and we can talk about gaffes independently. I know that that's not really possible. Um, so all of that context said, I just need to acknowledge the context in which this is happening before I embark on this next step, which is to address a very major gaffe delivered by the presumptive Democratic nominee, whose name is Travis. Who did we end up with? <sighs> Joe Who's Biden. Joe <laughs> fucking Biden. Joe Biden. Okay. Uh, Joe yes. goddamn Thank Biden. Thank you. Gra grabby Joe. Grabby. Uh, <laughs> grabby Joe. Dirty Uncle Joe. I'm reluctant to say Grabby Joe. I'm reluctant for us to just riff on how many derogatory nicknames we could give Joe Biden because I'm just afraid the president is going to take them and, yep. and wield them. Do you know what I mean? And uh, it feels a little Trumpy to call him Grabby Joe, but he's just he's Grabby Joe, man. <laughs> he's just Grabby Joe. Uh, and we, I, we can we we can talk more about his grabbiness later on. But I think first things first, for the sake of this conversation, for what's happening in the news cycle right now, we need to talk about Grabby Joe's appearance on the breakfast club Correct. with uh with Charlemagne. and uh for our listeners and if you've been in a cave which you probably have been because most people in the world right now are in the modern equivalent of a cave which is your apartment or your home uh presumptive i keep saying that i guess maybe i shouldn't say that presumptive democratic nominee joe biden went on the breakfast club uh pretty brief appearance kind of weirdly contentious actually if you listen to the audio it seemed like it should have just been I mean, I appreciate Charlemagne for doing his diligence. He's a journalist and he wants to get answers, particularly for his audience. He's asking questions on behalf of black voters. Uh, a little more contentious than it needed to be. But I feel like he did OK up until that point. So he did as well as you thought Grabby Joe might do. Yeah. And then and then it was like less right than 20 minutes. End, yeah. 18 minutes. Um, I think. You know, Joe Biden, this is a, another part of the problem, which is like Joe Biden thought he was just like, oh, what kind of show is a black show? Oh, cool. Black people love me. I'm just going to walk in, say some kind of Who like ethnically ambiguous him that? stuff. Who is <laughs> I have so, it's so much to unpack. But for me, the, the greatest, I'm like, if you, if any of you out there know someone working on this campaign, please, this notion that he is like beloved in the black community I need him to let that go because that's not accurate. He rolls uh, up mean, into spaces not as loved as he thinks he is. <laughs> yeah, he's got a lot of Michael Scott energy, which I yeah, think he's. Uh, I, I, oh uh, yeah, go ahead. His gaff. Do you want to describe his gaff to the to the? I'll describe the gaff to the people uh, if you haven't heard it. Uh, toward the end of the show, I think, you know, Charlemagne invited him back on and he said, listen, we have a lot more questions for you because you know, they were like, cutting it short. Yeah, he was, he was cutting it short. He had to go. Right. I, he doesn't have anywhere to be. You know, I don't know why he's cutting it short, but that's a separate question. Um, and, you know, I think Charlemagne was reiterating the fact that, you know, he has questions. He has questions. He'd like to continue the conversation. He wants to know more about his history. I mean, those were pointed journalistic questions. Like Charlemagne was not clowning or baiting him. Like I, I actually thought Charlemagne sounded pretty good. Um, and he's someone who I I've kind of had. I say that it was a particularly professional interview for Charlemagne the God. Yeah, yeah. I, I think he. I think he did a good job. So at the end, while inviting him back, saying, "I, I have more questions for you. We have more questions for you." Uh, Biden stepped in to say he was so close to being out. He he could have just said, so "Okay, yeah, I'd close. love to." Protect. So close. He was so close to being out and so doing close. a pretty good job. I would have given him like almost like a solid B, really. Yeah, for uh, on the on the Grabby Joe scale. It's I'm like, like That's whoever decided to cut it short knew this moment was coming, and they just mm -hmm. they put they they threw in the towel too late. He might only have like an 18 minute clock. There might be like an 18 minute countdown before he says something ridiculous. Tight 15. And, a tight 15. His handlers, his tight handlers 15. know. Like, oh no, he's been set. We're getting 1730. All right, wrap it up, Joe. Wrap it up. 1745. We're getting close. Uh, so, you know, I don't want to get the quote wrong. I want to read it exactly as Joe Biden said it. Uh, I'm not going to try and say it in his voice. Um, but I, I, I want to make sure we get this right, because I've heard it quoted uh, many times and I want to make sure I quote it right. Joe Biden, in the closing moments of his appearance, said to Charlemagne, who was a black man, 
If you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. That's the quote. Lots of you have heard it. Probably all of you have heard it. Yeah. Uh, it's audacious for many, many reasons. And um, let me say as this. I'm reading it, I, it strikes what's what struck me is like when you say I don't want to read it in his voice, because yeah. when I heard it, um, I was like, is he doing a black scent right now? Because I yeah. that did it not was. strike me as his voice. No, it wasn't his voice. That was like yeah, it was. that he was like shucking and jiving. And I was like, what is happening? Because it was really like a, it was almost a Chris Rock. Like he um he ain't black. Like it was a thing. But I was like, that is not where did Uncle Remus come from all of a sudden? I mean, I was gonna say the cherry on top, if you even just remove his voice from it and you just look at the quote, the cherry on top is that he didn't say you aren't black. No, you ain't black. Uh, you ain't black. <laughs> yeah. And I Which feel like is, every black person who works in his campaign just like sighed and looked down oh, all at the same time. Oh, grabby Joe. Grabby cracker Joe. Because what I also <laughs> think is that there is some black person in his circle who said that in front of him and he was like, ooh, yeah. I'm going to use that. And it's like, oh. no, you don't take it out of... No. That is, oh, a, that is an Among Us. That's a good guess. That is an Among that Us a, thing. Don't repeat that. That's a good guess. Don't go around telling other Black people that, please. Mm. <sighs> I mean, it's particularly, it's, it's an audacious thing on so many levels. I, I just want to try and list as many levels as possible. <laughs> well, I will say this. At no point during the primaries did he do media like this, right? So he wasn't like on Angela Rye. He wasn't on like, like, and other candidates did. He was mm -hmm. not someone who like really campaigned in this kind of black centered media. Mm -hmm. So the he fact kinda, he, he did like a, what Hillary did to Wisconsin, he, he did to black people. Right. He was He's like, like I, I, I got y'all. Go I already yeah, I got, got y'all. Do I, do I don't have to convince y'all <laughs> of nothing. Um, this, despite actually very much having to so for me it was like this is your like your first showing and you can't like you can't like a you can't even get get out of the interview um without this and for so me close. so close and so what's also bothers me and the, what sort of the fallout of this has been people obviously criticizing this and being upset by it because right you should be but then folks like, no matter what, he's still the better candidate than Trump. And you should like vote for him no matter what. I'm like, that is actually not even the conversation. The conversation is he's not going to win doing things like this. I am going to vote for him no matter what. But of course, there are people who won't. You ha he ha At this point, he needs to be inspiring people. And this, this was not an inspiring showing. And it wasn't even like it was like a high tense, pressured environment. Like, yeah. I don't even I don't think that this was like a, an aggressive or pointed. It was an issue focused interview yeah. um, and maybe things that he wasn't used to talking about, but should at this point. Those were a lot of softball questioning. Like it wasn't no one was out to get him. And he sort of like yeah. fumbled. And it's like, you don't have room to do that here. Yeah. And so that's my point is like campaign better, campaign better than this. You actually need yeah. to campaign. Yeah. I mean, I, there, there are a lot of different ways to come at this. One, I think the ultimate irony, you know, just let's just leave alone how audacious it is for uh, Joe Biden to tell somebody they're not black. Right. That's just crazy. Patently crazy. Let's just leave it over there. There's a lot of patently like, crazy stuff. I don't even know how you begin to have that conversation with the person who wants to be president of the United States. And by <laughs> the way, don't ever tell black people they're not black. There's not a circumstance <laughs> where you are the person who should be delivering that message. Never. That is never you. We're never that even, guy. I don't even want him telling a white person they're not black. I don't know. Nope. You know what I mean? Like, fact, I don't really want him don't laying in on race. anybody. Don't assign yeah. any races. Let's yeah. just avoid that altogether. <laughs> like that is, is this the kind of prep we need to do for yeah. our nominee? Hey guy, listen, got some notes about that. Charlemagne the God. 
Um, yeah. Don't. Do not tell people what their race is based on... Don't do it. Don't do it. Okay. And so then, of course, to not be outdone, the Trump campaign releases that T-shirt. Have you seen it? What does it say? You ain't black? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it's like a hashtag. Hashtag you ain't black with like Joe Biden underneath. Like it's a quote from Joe Biden. So the I Trump- mean, that's legit. To me, that, you know what I mean? So like, he, he needs to get dragged for that. It doesn't matter he how does. much. Like, he does. Like, he needs to be dragged. I don't care who's dragging him. You know what I mean? Like, but I really it. wish the president of the United States wasn't dragging people like this. That's, well, I mean, that's true. Now, now he's telling people who can and cannot say who can and cannot be black. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. like levels to it now. Yes. <laughs> but he did also, there's like a very valid point here. Um, which is, you know, a lot of black people did vote for Trump, particularly black men. Yeah. You know, something like 15%, I think, of black men voted for Trump. There's, There's something a crew. There's a crew there. of them. There's a crew. Um, I, I read a lot about it today because I was reading, you know, uh, Spike Lee had a big profile in the New York Times today um, because he has a, a film coming out about black Vietnam veterans. And he chose to have Delroy Lindo's character be like a Trump supporter, <laughs> which is very funny and also very realistic. And I, I thought like kind of a bold move in this group of men. And I thought, you know, uh, it would invariably will lead to some spicy conversations. But it's it's that kind of arrogance. Right. It, to, to make the Hillary comparison again, uh, to, to just to assume that you have the black vote in your pocket and you can say and do whatever you want and become incredibly defensive. If a black journalist is asking you questions about issues, you know what I mean? Like, well, knowing that you actually have done nothing to be informed about these issues, you know what I'm saying? Like you, like I can't imagine that Joe Biden is somewhere like I am knocking it out of the park with black people. I am like at the forefront of this. I like, he cannot. I mean, he possibly talked about criminal that. justice reform. He talked about his own role in mass incarceration in the '90s. You know, I mean, he's versed in these subjects, and you know, he understands. He knows the language of, you know, criminal justice reform uh, and how it affects the black community. You know, so I, he's able to talk about things like that. But he just doesn't seem to have it. He doesn't feel like he doesn't seem to think he has to. You know what I mean? Right. He seems very put out in that interview. He's like, what do you mean you're asking me questions about, you know, whether I'm going to be a good president? Look at my black- record. That's always his yeah. response. Look at my record. And it's like, bro. Your record's not that great. It's not. <laughs> like, don't tell people to look if at your record. The if the answer was record. in your record, I, your record is why I'm yeah. asking. Yeah. I assume I've looked. It's not great. <laughs> there is. Uh, I will also say this, though. He he must have gotten some kind of deluded idea about the level of support he has in the black community from the primaries. Right. Which I think is interesting because I don't think he would have won super Tuesday and I don't think he would have gotten the nomination as quickly and maybe not at all. If he, if uh, black voters did not overwhelmingly support him, I think it's fair to say that black voters in the primary did overwhelmingly support. Yeah. I think that's true. Well, a couple of things. I think that's true, but I also think that that is relative. Um, Mm -hmm. Right. And so, and then I also like you, like whatever, I think that's relative. And then I also think like, you're not running for, you're not running in a primary anymore. Mm -hmm. Like even if black, even if black Democrats voted for you, that's not the, that's not the campaign you're running. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, I, again, I'll stop mentioning Hillary, but, uh, this election is it's going to be a turnout issue. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that I, there are probably less undecided voters in the country right now than there ever have been, <laughs> you know, but and that's, I think, a product of us being so polarized. Right. We say this right. every four years. We say, who are these people who don't know a week before the election, whether they want, you know, George Bush or John Kerry? Like, that's pretty straightforward. Like, you don't know if you want John McCain or or Barack Obama, like you're just doing that for attention. Uh, so it does come out, come, come down to turnout, which was the thing that killed Hillary because she didn't reach out to communities that she assumed she had. She didn't get people right. excited about it. The people who know they're going to vote, I think, know who they're voting for. 
Mm-hmm. That's it's the pe- your I think the task is to get people out who don't know whether or not they're voting. Yes. Yes. That's a very real thing. And I think that's something he's overlooking and people are not going to go. Plus, we're probably going to have to jump through extra hoops to vote this year anyway. You know right. what I mean? It's going to be a very different process and it will probably require more motivation than usual. And low ver- voter turnout historically hurts Democrats. Correct. You know? That's why Republicans are always trying to suppress votes. <laughs> and let me say, before this disaster of the last few years, I was not a conspiracy theorist person. You cannot give me a conspiracy where I would like even listen to you. I would just think you were mentally ill. You would be, I would easily be convinced that sort of like this, re- this awful response to the pandemic is like at least partially designed so that we won't even have an election this year. That's how crazy I've gotten. That's like where wow. I- they got to you, man. What did what did you saw this? It was this QAnon or whatever the liberal version is of QAnon. <laughs> Politico. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Don't send me emails. I'm just joking. That was a joke. Yeah. Like yeah. I could easily I mean, be convinced of that. Yeah. Well, I do. You know, a, a lot of people are actually doing those kind of think tank jobs where it's like, what do we do if we get to that point? And then the president's like, well, it's not safe to vote. Sorry. Right. <laughs> it's like, not safe to vote. Church. You could golf. And, and mail-in ballots aren't trustworthy. Yeah. Yeah, because they carry germs. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's a real concern. I don't even think you need to be a conspiracy theorist to think that the president is going to use this to suppress votes. I don't think that's even a conspiracy. I think that's right? just that's the strategy. That's just a reasonable <laughs> tactic. Like, that's just a, that's just. Yeah. yeah. We don't that's want people out happen. here voting. Yeah, well, that's bad news. Uh, and I just even before this, you know, I, and I don't want to have this whole show be, you know, like what's wrong with Joe Biden and how did we get here? But even before this gaffe uh, and even even after I was as disappointed as I was that Joe Biden was the nominee, I was like, this guy is not doing what you need to be doing to run a presidential campaign right now. There are different ways to seize attention. I understand that there are more challenges, right? Many, many, many more challenges, right? You can't have a rally. Um, You can't, you know, have a convention. You can't do all the traditional things that you do as a candidate, but you have to be innovative and just sitting in your basement uh, and giving pretty lifeless gaff ridden interviews every so often. It's like he doesn't even exist. I don't even you know, like if he hadn't. This is the most attention I've heard paid to him in weeks. I hadn't even thought about Joe Biden. And it was was almost better when we didn't like his whole campaign, like just almost better. It was almost Someone was like, just shut up until November. Kind of. Like, you know I'm what? Not I, like sure. that strategy. I like that strategy, actually, where he just kind of like goes away. Right. And then we make sure everybody gets to vote in November. And then you just have like two boxes. Um, and it's like, you know, uh, Donald J. Trump. And then it's like the other box is like not Donald J. Trump. And then in parentheses, like Joe Biden. Or, right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, because what you're talking about, about like what you need to be doing to inspire people. I don't know that he can do that. Yeah, he can't really do that. Like, I don't know any amount of like Olivia Poping is going to like make this guy the guy he needs to be to not be the guy he is. Yeah. I mean, you also kind of have to present an alternative. You know, I think that was Obama's real success after um, after Bush. You know, it's like we were in a very dark time. We were very divided. And there was like a clear alternative. It was like, listen, there's all this like, you know, that was his his, you know, his speech, his address was red state, blue state. There is no red state. There is no blue state. Right. That's a good alternative. That makes people feel good about themselves, makes people feel good about being an American again. You need a counter message. Um, Just saying I'm not Trump over and over again is not a counter message. And, you know, I hesitate to say this. I hesitate to say this, but I'm going to say it anyway. I mean, it'll be better than Trump being president, but not that much better <laughs> is that is that a crazy thing to say um like how much better is it gonna right. be like, like right. a little bit better and that's where we are now you know it used right. to be i've had you know i've dealt with some uninspired candidates you know carrie was kind of like whatever but there were there was a very clear vision for the country it was like yeah the war in iraq is bad the war on terror is being mismanaged um you know and i i want to come in with this kind of uninspired vision, but it's still like a vision. And this is an uninspired person with no vision who is just old and white and has been around forever, gaff ridden, probably, I mean, like 
probably just I wouldn't even say thinly veiled, like kind of, he just kind of has like racist vibes. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Yeah, it's really like know. whatever comes after vibes is what he has. <laughs> He's like, not a uh, racist and not like racist and not racist vibes, but like whatever that, yeah, yeah, it's a spectrum of racism. Like racist and adjacent, like whatever <laughs> that is, <laughs> it's that, like that, Um, I don't know. I couldn't, I, I couldn't imagine another candidate that I would be less excited about. I can't think of another person who was a Democrat, I guess. I, I don't know. You could choose from that whole field. Like, I would be like Andrew Yang and be like, all right, cool. You know what I mean? Like, let's right. see where this Right. Or right. Even people I didn't really like, you know, I was like, oh, we were rolling our eyes so much at Buttigieg. But you know what I mean? Like, I, I believe that he would be in in the public sphere right now, talking about things, cooking up ideas, you know what I mean? In a way that I'll be like, hey, you know what? Now that he's our guy, I, I can work with this. I can get excited. I can't think of somebody else I could be less excited about. Except for the people whose names I can't remember from the Democratic right. primary. <laughs> Whoever the those people, people who are. aren't people because they really did not matter. Yeah. Um, Marianne Williamson, I would love to be hearing from Marianne Williamson and her in her At least it'd be writing. exciting. At least it would yeah. be exciting. You know she has a vision. She's not going to tell you what race you aren't. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a good tagline. I mean, I'm, I'm also, I'm not going to tell you what race you aren't. I mean, maybe Trump could use that. I mean, I Although feel like he, he might actually. No one would he's believe that. No one would believe yeah. that. Like, yeah, like, you, you just did that yesterday. <laughs> You're always telling people what race they aren't. You literally. <laughs> I like it's it's one of the things that it really tickles me about Trump is uh sometimes his skewering of the opposition is like so on point it's inarguable and you just have to say damn like when you know when the CIA was coming out with all this intelligence information about him and Russia and everything he was like this is the same CIA that told us there were weapons of mass destruction in Iraq and I was like oh damn Trump that's like a pretty astute criticism man it's like a little it's like Fair a little too point. A little too accurate, and then now that he gets to come out and say things that are completely legit about Biden, I like I can't even argue the way that he's responding to Biden. Um, I mean, it's petty and beneath the oval, yeah. but it's not inaccurate. Yeah. And when yeah, have you ever been able to say that about Trump? That's true. That's true. Yeah, it's it's you know it's like don't make it easy for him, Biden. Don't make it easy for him. <laughs> So who do you think his VP pick is going to be? I'm so glad you said that because that was my very next question on the docket. One, I was very confused as to why he wouldn't talk more openly about choosing a black woman as a as a vice presidential nominee with Charlemagne. That was one of Charlemagne's main points. He really wanted to hear more about that because didn't he just straight up say that in, in the debate where he was like, I'm going to choose a black woman, period. Didn't he say that? Am I wrong about that? I don't remember him. I remember him saying woman. I he said, no, he said woman. He didn't say black. He oh, he said he color. would pick a woman. He didn't say he would pick a black. Correct. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you for that. Thank you, yep. Eming, our producer, keeping us on track because <laughs> here I am spreading lies. Oh, he's here to cover your <laughs> yeah. ass, Russell. I mean, okay, now then it does make sense that he wouldn't make that commitment. I mean, those are weird commitments to make anyway. You know what I mean? Like, I think it obviously makes sense to choose a woman. And if you're thinking about the most qualified people in the field right now, most of them are women. So that's fine. But it's just kind of a weird thing to say. It feels like a very token thing to say the way it was said so early in the campaign. I guess that's a separate issue. Um, but I, I guess what but is the most disheartening it's also a central news? issue because it gets into how he's campaigning, right? And so there's a way in which he can enroll people into this decision-making that would excite people about his campaign. And he's not. Because I got to tell you, even if she were, like, I assume lots of people are being vetted for this pick. Mm. But the fact that, like, the most, the first person's name to make it into the media is like the person that I think most people are least excited about. And it's like Klobuchar, right? Klobuchar, yeah. yeah. And so like, could you not have like, could your campaign not have like organized for like a more exciting person's name to like lead this search? To like get people interested? Like this almost disinterested me. I, it definitely, it was discouraging to hear that. You know, I mean, I was... <sighs> 
I was only a little bit excited because, as you know, very early on, I was a Kamala Harris defender just because of, you know, what I saw from her as district attorney in San Francisco and a lot of things she did as attorney general in California. You know, I, I, I was a Harris person. I caught a lot of flack for it. It's fine. I've moved on. Um, but I, I did think that would be a spirited pick just because uh, that's I something agree with that you. people get excited about because she's just like smart and interesting. And can you imagine her interview with Charlemagne? Do you know what I mean? Like that's, that's going to be a fully engaged conversation. Can you imagine her debating her Pence? Oh. Yeah, well, yeah, that'll be a complete dismantling. Oh. I mean, a lot of people said that for her as a candidate anyway, because she's a trial attorney, she's a prosecutor, so she's going to be able to pick everybody apart. Even her Senate, hearings, her Senate hearings are amazing. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Like, she, and she is someone that I think people will get excited about either way. Yeah. Um. And let me say this. I also think that there was a way in which, like, you know, there's a lot of rightful criticism of her. But I also think that, like, I wonder if there was a way in which that criticism was also just because of the number of people that we had. Like, I, I feel like if we had known where we were going to end up, we would have taken a different tact about how we criticized the candidates. I mean, Who foresaw this shit? I don't know. I I don't want to say that I saw it. I don't want to say I saw it because I don't think that would be like accurate. did we did we outwoke ourselves into like the most conservative that everybody saw. Everybody saw if you are picking apart every candidate for not being woke enough, you're going to end up with the least woke person. People said that. People said that and I believed it. And that's and, exactly and what I, has I happened. That's what, that's what we ended up with. Right. Yeah, that's absolutely what we ended up with. Uh, and I did kind of see that coming where it's like, you're not woke enough. You're not woke enough. And if you pick those people off, the only people that are going to be left are the big dogs, you know? Um, and I think that's what happened to Kamala. And I really did, you know, the reason I mentioned her in this context is just because we're talking about an interview with Charlemagne. I believe she talks well, to and Charlemagne. There are people who are like, you need to pick a black woman VP pick. That yeah. is like a demand that like certain yeah. groups are making. Yeah. And like it's her and Stacey Abrams. Who else is there? Yeah, I mean, those are the two names I've heard. I don't know. I mean, is there another black woman who would be in the running? I think Stacey Abrams is the one who has been the least shy about her interest, which I appreciate. Right? Like right. most of the time you have to do that dance for like, oh, I oh gosh, I, me, you know, I don't know. Uh, I don't think so. I'm focused on taking care of my estate or whatever. You know what I mean? But Stacey Abrams has been kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'd take that job. I think I'd be good at it, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I would I kinda, yeah, I, I like that. I appreciate that. Klobuchar, I don't I, I was it was kind of insult to injury. Like hearing that Klobuchar, if, let, let's put it this way for an analogy. If Biden picks Klobuchar, it will be very similar to Mariah Carey releasing glitter right after 9-11. It'll be like a really bad thing happens. And then like a, another thing that's not quite as bad, but is like also bad is it, it worse because it's kind of insulting. Would you Wait, call that a fair comparison? It's <laughs> a little hyperbolic. No, I really think that Klobuchar is the glitter of picks available to him. Thank you. Thank you. That's all like, I wanted. It checks I, certain boxes, but it's not yeah. very good. Yeah. Well, who there are a lot of people who are in this conversation who were not very prominent in the primaries. Gretchen Whitmer. I mean, I guess people are talking about her as a rising star just because she's doing a lot of work um, in Michigan because of the crisis there. So right. she's become a little bit more prominent. Do you have strong feelings about that? I don't know her well enough. I know that she's done a lot of like very competent, capable governor things kind of like through this whole. Uh, I think you know, that the election is in November. And that you need someone with a profile now. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think that she and I, I, she has a profile, but not in the same way. Yeah. That like a Stacey Abrams or a Kamala does. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there are only really two picks and it's Kamala and Warren. I, I think those are I think those are the only two that really make any sense. And if he makes a pick outside of those, that it would be a mistake, honestly. Even like, fine, there are other people on the list who whatever qualified might do a good job, blah, blah, blah. But in terms of getting people excited, like people love Warren. I liked Warren. Warren was great. You know, Warren, once everything started to fall apart, I was like, well, all right, I guess, you know, I'll hitch my wagon to Warren Star. I like her. Uh, I, 
And I think a lot of the people who were very, very disgruntled about Bernie and the way things were handled with Bernie, you might win some of those people back, you know, and she's also like, uh, on top of things in a way that, uh, Biden does not appear to be, you know what I'm right. saying? So like, here's my right phrases. She's like with it. She's paying attention. Right. She's she a way, she's together. professional. She's, <laughs> yeah. and like, honestly, there's a part of me that's also like, what a fucking thankless job it must would be to be like VP under Biden. Like you were yeah. doing like the heavy lifting. Because mm-hmm. you are the person who's bringing actually the gravitas to that. Right. Like mm-hmm. I feel like there's a way in which yeah. like he was seen as bringing some heft to inexperienced Obama. And it's like. Yeah, he's the one who needs some help now. Right. It's like he's bringing yeah. someone that they're like, oh, this is going to be the person who makes sure the I's are dotted and the D's are crossed because it's not this guy who it's like, yeah. I just hope he doesn't have a gaffe and like some other meat. Like, oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I just I yeah, I, I don't think that all this suspense is necessary. I think his campaign. I mean, I, I assume the announcement is imminent, right? Like we're going to be hearing about this. They were saying like weeks that it was going to take weeks to do this vetting. Yeah. Vetting. Listen, man, Warren has been thoroughly vetted, <laughs> right? It's just yeah. It's I like mean, let Kamala me stop Harris you there. Let vetted. me stop you yeah. there. You like got, these yeah. two? Yeah. Read They've the room. Vetted, grab one and then let them kind of do your job for you and just kind of hang out in your basement, really. You know, I was also thinking, you know, uh, and this is kind of like wishful thinking, I guess. But uh, well, what can we undo here in terms of the delegate process? Like, are we is this really like final with Biden? Like they haven't really casted any delegate votes like they have to have a convention. It's not official. He still is presumptive. Right. Isn't there something like I, I was kind of hoping against hope? And we haven't talked about this aspect yet, but, uh, you know, the accusations of uh, sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Right. I kind of thought, you know, this might be the thing to prompt him. Uh, I'm dropping out, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not the guy for the job. I'm dropping out. And then we might be able to have something interesting or exciting develop. You know what I mean? I don't think that would be that damaging for, for the Democratic ticket. You know what I mean? I, do, you, no. do you? Do you think that? I think that would be, I think a lot of people would breathe a sigh of relief. And then we would get some fresh air because we'd get somebody I, else. In I there. am some people. I would breathe a sigh of relief. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, ordinarily that that would be devastating. Oh, no. You know, we got behind this person and now they're leaving so late in the game. But I think everybody regrets this decision. I think Biden probably even regrets this. Yeah, it becomes an increase. Like how bad of an idea it is becomes more apparent every single fucking day. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm not more confident in his ability to win now. I'm like, oh, oh, okay, you're you're really bad at every aspect of campaigning for president. It's, you know, I remember thinking this and other people said it around the time that um, Trump won in 2016. You know, I thought I was like, I don't think he wanted to win. I don't think he thought he was going to win. And he would just thought this was going to be like a hilarious thing. He's going to ride it out to the end and whatever, sell a bunch of books. Um, and then he won. He's like, oh, I, I kind of got the sense like, oh, shit. He's like, you know what I mean? Didn't really think it was yeah. going to pan out like that. I, I don't really want this job. I don't want people telling me what to do. It sounds like kind of a hassle. Um, and I kind of am getting that vibe from Biden now. Where he was like, oh, man, you know, once you fight for something, you're stuck with it. That kind of thing. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, because he was not. Ru- he was like a, he was not running for the longest time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I did. Uh, you know, we were talking about eligible uh, VP picks. And we were talking specifically about black women. We did not mention Val Demings. I don't know very much about Val Demings. She's on kind of the short list in these conversations. She's a House representative. Uh, She does have a high profile in Congress. Uh, She was one of the impeachment managers that Mm -hmm. uh, that Nancy Pelosi selected to present the case. So we've seen her on television. Beyond that, I don't know much about her, except that she is from Florida. Uh, and, you know, Florida is always in play and that's always a question. And she is another black woman who's on the list, you know, potentially uh, as a pick. But I just feel like there's so many like I, I don't I wouldn't understand going outside of Kamala Harris or Warren. I could see not picking Warren because they just really didn't see eye to eye um, during, you know, they, they have very serious mm-hmm. diversions in terms of policy. Right. And it might be hard ideologically to try and reconcile those things. So I could understand I want to do that. Harris is like, you know, she's pretty centrist, 
You know what I mean? That was most of people's complaints about her is that she was like, you know, I I have ideals and I am a progressive minded person, but I'm also willing to make some compromises. And Biden's a big time compromiser. I think of Uh, her as like the Obamaist candidate that we had. Like she was that centrist. Yeah. In terms of her politics. Yeah. In terms of her politics, she did have she did have big Obama vibes. Uh, I just I and I, I don't want to be cynical, but I just think either one of those picks would be so great that it leads me to believe that he's not going to pick either of them. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, because I think that there's some, uh, I think that there's some ridiculous analysis by where they're going to consider picking someone with a profile in a swing state. Hmm. Which in a normal election, that would be a smart thing to do. But I don't mm. think that that is where we are. And I, and I don't think it's a normal election. And I think you really, you, it really has to be an inspiring turnout game that we're doing and not in it. So you need yeah. to pick an inspiring pick. And I, those are the only two people that would excite folks. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a big part of the reason that Val Demings is in the conversation is that she's from Florida. Right. Um, um, particularly with all these other people on the list. And, I, you know, I understand that reasoning. But as you say, this is not your typical election year. No. And this is not your typical candidate. This guy needs help, man. You know what I mean? Like, this guy needs a lot of help. This is not like a popular person who needs the right sidekick. Like, we need the person that we're going to get excited about because we haven't gotten it yet. You know? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. What are your thoughts on uh, Stacey Abrams? Oh, I mean, I really just wish that she was governor of Georgia. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't That's know fair. that I've really seriously considered her. You know what it is? <clears throat> Every woman that I'm thinking of as like the pick, I just wish I just think of them as more qualified than Biden. And so I just like my brain sort of like even just shuts down there. Like they shouldn't have to be doing second fiddle. Yeah, the you know idea I mean? of like, like as much as like I think I would be excited about her, her on the ticket. The idea of Kamala Harris as Biden's VP just like enrages my soul for some reason. Right, it's like it's beneath her. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's beneath her to be VP. I'm like, what are v- we asking this woman to do? Like the job, like, yeah. ugh. She would have to be a handler and an explainer. I mean, it's terrible. Yeah, she, she would. She would be. Pets, she would have basically. to be the grown up in the room. Yeah, she would always have to be the grown up in the room, and she would have to be explaining terrible behavior for years. You know, <laughs> like you can't yeah. be disloyal, but you're also going to have to co-sign a lot of garbage. And I also think that I think that that pick is going to probably have to answer some tough questions about like how do you be the VP of a president with these accusations? Yeah. Just a shitty place to put a woman in. That's true. That's absolutely true. Yeah, I mean, there's no way to answer those questions. And, and I also, I, I'm so torn on this, um, but I just, I am very, very dismayed at how underreported um, that story is. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I almost. Sense. I don't want to sound. You know, now I'm going to sound like QAnon, but like, is it? Is it that? Media, you know, media is liberal. Let's let's be real. <laughs> Mainstream. I read the New York Times a lot, right? Or at least anti-Trump. Rightly, are people so afraid that if Joe Biden actually gets torpedoed by a reprehensible thing that he did, that we're that's going to mean four more years of Trump? Therefore, we can't talk. We can't hear this woman's story. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I, think, I kind of feel like that. I think that's true. I also think that media as we know it is incredibly lazy. And so there's a way in which this story. It's not like there are layers to it that I think no one is able like and this quick like no one wants to consume this story the way that it needs to be consumed. And no and no one I feel like because there are complexities or like, okay, yeah. And like. You know, people are like reporting from their houses right now. And so like no one's, I feel like really given the story, the attention. And yeah, the, where's Ronan Farrow? Do I need to get on the phone with Ronan Farrow? Yeah, where's this book? Like, where, like no one. Ronan, what are you doing, man? Like, you know, your book's out. You probably got some free time. This seems like the most important thing to do. Like, there's let's, so let's many moving parts, but I've not found a really yeah. good deep dig into 
this or an analysis of this in a way that like like I feel like Stormy Daniels got all kinds of shit and mm-hmm. and perspectives and and ways in which the media looked at this story. And none yeah. of that is happening now. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. I think that, that if there were a new accusation of sexual assault against Donald Trump that took place in the 90s, that we would be hearing a lot about it. I'm well aware of the fact that I sound like a Trump supporter who is saying, oh, the liberal media isn't looking into this sexual assault allegation because they don't want to take down Joe Biden. Right. Fine. Use that soundbite against me, whoever you are. That's that's I'm OK with that. Uh, but I do think that it's a fair question to ask about yeah. why about why we're not hearing more about that. And I think that's wrong, patently, transparently wrong. You know, we need to know more about that. Like everybody needs to more know more about that. Certainly any female VP pick he would have, who's, as you said, going to have to answer those questions. Yeah. Uh, and it's, a, 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 as you said, a horrible position to be in. Um, I, I don't know if I were Kamala Harris or Elizabeth Warren. I, I don't I'm not saying that either of them has taken themselves out of the running or would take themselves out of the running. But I would want answers to those questions before I agreed to sign up. To, to be on your ticket. You know what I mean? Like you, so you're not the person who's standing on stage with someone uh, in the midst of being investigated for a sexual assault. Do you know what I mean? That's, yeah. uh, we all need that information in order to make an informed decision, you know, and Absolutely. It, it might even have some bearing on who the eventual nominee is. Uh, it, should. It, uh, should. <laughs> it should. In it a perfect world. Should. We've, we've seen that not happen before. Um, <laughs> just, I won't like say in recent memory. Well, I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but it sounds like something that might have happened. Might have come up recently. Yeah. 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 No, it's it is I don't know. I feel like I don't want to be one of those people that's like this pandemic has like revealed so many things that are wrong with this country, though it has. Um but for me it's given me like a a really good time to reconsider how I relate to media and where I get my information and how I share information. Um, Cause I wasn't someone who really got into like the liberal bias of media. Um, but I, it, I am just sort of like struck at how lazy journalism is now. Yeah. Um, well, and you, to our has detriment. It changed, has it changed your consumption habits? Are you looking at different outlets? What are you, what does this mean for you? It's make it's one, it's made me want to like watch speeches. I'm more inclined to want to see things for myself than read other people's interpretations of them because like it's always skewed and always mm-hmm. um like and often whatever. And so it's that, but also it's made me want to look for other ways of getting information that aren't like even like the New York Times, which you know, yeah. When I was at NYU going as a journalism major, that was like the place that you looked for insight and facts. And now I'm like, there is sometimes the laziest contextualization of information as anyone. I They're agree. Like, um, there's a way in which I don't think that Trump would have could have been elected without them. Yeah. Yeah. They made themselves an easy target. Um, I agree. And I so, also yeah. think, yeah, I um, I agree with with what you're saying. I mean, part of this is a product of just like cultural polarization. And once the kind of Fox News entered the picture many, many years ago and people saw what a successful business model it was to have a news station that just like told people what they wanted to hear. You know what I mean? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that we like very quickly got a, a liberal clone in MSNBC. And I think in the early days of MSNBC, I appreciated it, you know, um, because we were at war and, you know, George W. Bush was president. And I thought, oh, this is great because we have a network that's really going after um, the people who are in power. Right. In a way that at the time CNN wasn't. But then after Obama got elected, I was like, MSNBC is just kind of like the cheering section mm-hmm. for Obama now. Do you know what I mean? And yep. as, as much as I may have liked Obama as a president, I still want my media to t- like be looking into what the president's doing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like there were a lot of things that that Obama did that I didn't love. Right? You know, his immigration policy or, you know, uh, drones. You know, like, you know, there are plenty of things. 
I'm not trying to tarnish the man's legacy, but those are real uh, grievances to air. And outlets like MSNBC and even New York Times weren't really very good at that, you know, because they were like, yeah, but, you know, it's Obama. He's great. You know what I mean? Like, look at who we had before. Uh, and I I agree. I agree that it's made the, the media landscape is is almost impossible to navigate. And I it just doesn't interest me. I can't I can't watch television news any cable news anymore at all. Yeah. No matter what they're covering. You know, yeah. I mean, even I like, you know, if I if I watch the debates, I was like, all right, C-SPAN, you know what I mean? Or, or like <laughs> I need to choose the most absolute neutral outlet. Um, and I have the same misgivings about The New York Times. I mean, this is not, you know, groundbreaking what we're saying necessarily. But I think you're right that the pandemic has brought it into a really sharp focus. You yeah, know, because I think we are more dependent on journalists uh, now than we usually are just because we're not in the world, right? Like they are providing an essential service by being in the world and trying to give us some context, but I'm not getting what I'm looking for. And it's not just because, oh, I need answers. You know, when are we going to find a vaccine? You can't tell me. Uh, I just mean uh, the things that I am interested in or, or that, that need that need to be examined are not being examined. You know, right. people are just kind of being told what they want to hear. Uh, that's why we're here. Welcome to welcome to Margie Call, folks. <laughs> what we call liars, liars. Yeah. Period. I don't care who you are. You, you can't. You can't just. You can't just do what you want and get a pass. You get no passes here. You know, that's why I like Charlemagne. I was like, Charlemagne was, you know, Charlemagne was like, I don't care. You know, just because you're not Trump doesn't mean I like you. Right. It doesn't mean that you know. It's so interesting to me also, like what strikes me is like how like black voters as like a, like we don't even get to have demands, right? Like there's this way in which like, um, sort of like just asking questions about how you're going to make the lives of Black voters better is seen as like a silly endeavor. Like yeah. there's a way in which like, <laughs> right? Because his response was to joke about it, almost like scoffing at like yeah. the notion that like he owed some answers, yeah. right? And it's like criminal justice reform, very important to Black people, but that's not like the beginning, middle and end of like Black life. There's a lot mm -hmm. more going on that like we want to hear about and that we want to participate in. And there's mm -hmm. a way in which for me, like when I see a Biden that I posted this where I was like, I feel like the Democrats are like, uh, listen, we're sort of not going to make life worse for you, but we're not promising to make nothing better. <laughs> That's a good kind of DNC tagline. So do you want the black worse community <laughs> or do you want the same? Yeah. And like that's it. There, there are a lot of echoes of Trump's comment when he was trying to reach out to black voters um, and said, you know, what have you got to lose? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you're so asked out. Like, you know what I mean? Like, what things can't get any worse for you, right? I mean, that's basically that's basically what Biden's saying. Like, people were so outraged when Trump said that, rightly so. But like, that's basically what what Biden's saying. Right. Like, well, what do you mean? What else are you going to do? What are you going to vote for Trump? Yeah, right, asshole. Stop asking me tough questions. I got to right. go. <laughs> What's your other option? And it's like, okay, yeah. listen. But not vote. That's my other option. That is I'm not my other vote. option. Yeah. <laughs> if you, you are the one who wants my vote, homie. You need to, yeah. like, like, yeah. you, like you do billionaires, right? Like you, they mm -hmm. are supporting you so that you implement their agenda. Like, can, can we get a little you, bit of that? Some of it. Can we get yeah. a Supreme Court justice? Yeah. Right? Can yeah. we get a... <laughs> right? Can yeah. we get a, a VP? Um, and, just the, and the response is, like, ludicrous. And I think there's a way in which, you know, because I've been engaged in lots of these conversations over the last couple of days, that I feel like Black people take that on, where, like, when you respond to Biden, it's like, no, we have to vote for him. And it's like, right. But... Because I'm voting for him, I expect our job as voters don't end at casting the vote. It's also like yeah. ho holding people accountable to like why you're voting for them. Yeah. That's true. That's the participation. It's not just that we like exercise this right to vote, though like lots of us still don't, you know, there are lots of infant, like, you know, it's not easy for everyone to vote. 
particularly like when, if someone, you're, when someone is running for office, it is one of the only, in my opinion, appropriate times to say what's in it for me. Right. You know what I mean? Usually I think that's a pretty rude question. <laughs> Usually I think that's pretty selfish, not a good way to move through the world. But when you're thinking about voting, you really have to think seriously about what that what the implications are for you. Like, what are you going to do for me? And that's completely legitimate to ask. And it's something that uh, a person who's certainly running for president needs to answer. But there's a way uh, in which it, I feel like the Democratic Party recoils when black people ask that question because it's never really been answered. Yeah. They're like, we gave you a president. They're like, that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing is, you know, I don't like the idea that Biden is thinks he's getting all this cachet because he was Obama's president. Because He's like, I had his back, you know, like, I don't know, man. That's basically saying, like, I have black friends. You know, that is like literally saying <laughs> I, that is exactly it. And it's like, bro, you yeah. that you were. I don't want to like you, overstate you, it, yeah. but like you were chosen as the pick. For being con- the conservative choice, like you mm-hmm. were, to, like we voted you in to like win over, like the moderate racists. Yeah, yeah, you were a racist magnet. That was that was the hope of the DNC. Yeah, the like, people well, were like, I don't feel so comfortable voting for a black guy, but there's yeah. Uncle Joe. Mm-hmm. He's Grammy a passive Joe. racist too. <laughs> passive, somewhere on that spectrum. Yeah, he's a passive racist, so yeah. I can get I can get behind this. Um, I, as you know, Travis, I am an optimist. This has been a very bleak outlook because we have to be honest about what's happening. So I feel fine about the tenor of this conversation. But I would like to try and find something to be excited about uh, in this campaign right now. Something to be excited about between now. I mean, think how close November is. November is really a lot closer than we think it is. And if yes. this were a normal year, all we'd be thinking and talking about is is the campaign. Is there uh, anything that you think you could look forward to that would change the tenor of things for you right now that might get you excited, that might uh, lift this, you know, fog of dismay? Um. So listen, I'm not, I'm not holding out for excited. What I will say is I am constantly reminding myself. um, How can I put this? It's not as if Trump won by a landslide. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. like, it's not as if. Like, he lost the popular vote Mm -hmm. by a lot. And so I don't think of him as like unbeatable, I guess is what I'm saying, even by a Joe Biden. Um, and so increasingly it's sort of like, I, I look not through my eyes of despair, but sort of like actual facts. I don't see him as unbeatable. Um, and I'm just so like resting there now. Like I'm not in like in total despair and I'm not holding out for, um, I don't expect Joe Biden to turn around and be brilliant anytime soon, but I don't think that that's going to be required. Um, yeah. I mean, so I've been I'm just sort of like yeah. I'm just sort of like skimming the surface at this point. Um, that's, that's fair. That is a, that is a very good place to be. I think. I think it's maybe about as optimistic as we can be. I think it's another way of saying that maybe it's just like like let him defeat himself. Yeah, and, and I think that there is a certain level of fatigue that is setting in around him. Um, yeah. And quite frankly, I don't think that our media um, has a nuance that would capture that. Like, there's not a space in our current media coverage that would really capture that shifting tides. And so my, my, that perception is based mostly on my conversations with people that I have in red states. Right. That there's yeah. sort of like a, like a Trump fatigue setting in. Yeah. Um, which I think may be a more helpful place to look. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I mean, I, my, my answer is short and that is, uh, if Biden picks Kamala Harris, I will be excited. That would excite me. That would make me, it would give me something to pay attention to and think about and, and something to look forward to in November. Right. In terms of campaigning and in terms of thinking about this ticket. 
if you picked Elizabeth Warren, I'd be, you know, jazzed. I think jazzed is one one below excited, you know. But I'd and be, somehow I'd be like the jazzed. perfect word for Elizabeth Warren pick. Yeah, I'm jazzed. Yeah, jazzed. I'm jazzed about yeah. this Warren pick. Yeah. <laughs> um, Here's the question. I, yes. Those would be exciting choices. I, I do continue to worry that like no one can course correct Biden. Yeah, I'm not really looking. I, I don't think it's a course correction I'm looking for. I just think, well, you know, what do they say about a running mate? You inject some life, you know, inject some life into this campaign. It's dead. It's flat. We need someone who's, you know, the, the other advantage of, of Kamala Harris is that she's she is significantly younger. You know? I mean, it's and not I think, hard to do with Joe Biden. That's, that's true. But I think she will have a much better idea of how to captivate people not on the trail. Like part of Biden's problem is that like, you know, say what you want about Biden, but like when he gives a speech, when he's shaking hands, when he's glad handing, like he's good at that kind of stuff. You know, part yes. of the reason he's such part of the reason he's such an impotent candidate right now is because he was kind of a one trick campaigner. He's, he's an like, impotent yeah, candidate glad-handing. because he's a vice president. There's a reason why he yeah. didn't win. He is a VP. Mm-hmm. He is like the charming person that you have at like the dinner to tell the off color jokes. He's not the guy. But whatever. I I mean, I mean, in the context of not being able to be out on the trail, right? Like his strength has always been glad handing, hanging out in a diner, being folksy. You know, Uh, you can't you can't do that from your waspy basement with, you know, geese outside. Um, But I think that, you know, someone like Kamala Harris or Kamala Harris herself is going to have a much better handle on how to captivate people in, you know, in this global Zoom world that we're yes. having. You know and what I mean? Also, she'll do interesting things. She'll be on social media. Like she'll, you know what you know he what I mean? needs that I think she's good at, and I think this is also true of Elizabeth Warren, is someone who makes people feel heard. Yeah. Because yeah. there's a way that you can disagree with people, but if you feel like, you know what I mean? Like, but he just dismisses. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's not true. going to work. That's not mm-hmm. going to work. And so I think he needs, uh, he needs a that, and you know, either of them would do for me. Yeah. Listen, God willing, we're not back here having this conversation in three weeks with you know Klobuchar on the ticket. Uh, I really am trying to think positively. There are moments where I'm just like, does the DNC is like, we don't want to win any elections. We're just what is the, yeah. what's the worst option we can make? Um. It seems like it. Like if right? you made a formula for the worst possible way this could go, it seems like it's shaping up that way for, from my perspective. I also think that there are people, I mean, listen, those primaries were sketchy. Like I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think that it's hard to like even, not hard to view him as a legitimate candidate, but like part of the lack of excitement is also because the primaries were a shit show. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't like this. It's true. It wasn't like this clean, straight sweep towards victory where you could respect the guy and like a series of great speeches and inspiration happened. It was just sort of like, are, they, default. are they flipping coins like that? It was literally like a thing <laughs> that got said. And so, yeah, you want to sort of think about how you have worn out your base and you now need to inspire your base. Yeah. Um, and it's not by leaking that Klobuchar is being vetted. No, it's not. You're not. No one's getting excited about that. Even Klobuchar is not excited about that. No, that was like mm. discovering tuna fish in the trunk on a summer day. That is how <laughs> I received that news. It was like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I forgot I left that in there. Burn the car. <laughs> That's how I felt. <laughs> That'll be that. uh, the, the title for this uh, this podcast. But Joe Biden's candidacy, burn the car. <laughs> Just burn it. Burn, burn it. the whole fucking car. Uh, Travis, I cannot say enough how wonderful it is to have you on the show. Every single time you come on, we have such a thrilling and spirited debate. <laughs> uh, and we do see eye to eye on so many things. Uh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much you for making the time You do always come leave on. me feeling a little more hopeful than I did before. Good. Good. Listen, I, that's what I do. I, I really am trying to offer. I, I like to be the Pollyanna in a situation. You know what I mean? Without being fully deluded and naive. I veer on like deluded it. and naive sometimes, but I'm yeah. trying to veer away from deluded and naive. Just be I like, like it. You know, like, 
you know, man, everything's going to be all right. Whatever, dude, it's cool. That's kind of like, that's, that's my pandemic response. Be like, ah, I don't know. What are you going to do, man? We'll, we'll probably figure it out. <laughs> I think that was my climate change. Yeah. That was I my like climate it. change response too. Like, ah, I don't know, man. We'll figure it out. We had an ice age before, right? <laughs> <laughs> Next week on Margin Call, the climate change. Ah, we'll figure it out. We got here um, somehow. Yeah. That's true, man. We're a resilient species. I believe in us. I believe in humanity. How about that? That's that's my optimism. I like it. Um, so yes. Thank you so much for coming on, Travis. Thanks, as always, to Eming, our producer, who keeps us sounding good. She even gave me the advice to move in a little closer to my mic. I hope that everybody is benefiting from that advice. Thank you, Eming, for the sake of our it listeners. feels like fresh air. I love it. Yes, that's what I was going for. Fresh Dulcet air. A little bit of tones. Yeah. Dulcet <laughs> tones. Thank you. Now, I was saying velvety, but now I'll start saying dulcet. <laughs> Um, all right. Yes. Thanks to both of you. Uh, thanks to our listeners. And until next time, Quest On, everybody. This episode of Quest On Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California.